Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's a double shot from our featured artist today, Steve Obermiller and Hillary Tips. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Every time I think I know what everyone is thinking about, I end up being wrong. Even though I think I know where I am, I am often lost in trying to find my way home. Can be surrounded by no one or a thousand and still be all alone. Get out of my head so I can rest. I heard what I said. Yes, no, yes. Rewind, repeat this weight of my chest. I'm going crazy. I Trying to be heard, my thumbs go numb, top every word Don't let me be misunderstood This one asked for this and that And that one never calls me back Please love me, no, just let me be Get out of my head so I can rest I heard what I said, yes, no, yes Rewind, repeat This way of my chest I'm Eat better, do the dishes, take me on a date And I could use a hug if I could ask for help Cause some days I wake up and I'm beside 
jackass Feeling like a total jackass Even when I'm right, I'm wrong I smile and laugh and charm them on my stomach Doing somersaults I need a pause button to breathe Get out of my head so I can rest I heard what I said, yes, no, yes Rewind, repeat
was Steve Obermiller and Hillary Tips from their brand new release. And we've got Steve and Hillary on the line right now. Hey, guys, how you doing? We're great. How are you? Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Now, uh, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are. And the best way to do that is through your journey, uh, how you got to where you are today. So each one of you kind of give me your story, your journey that brought you to this point in your life. Okay, sure. Um, uh, I have always had a fascination with music um, without having a very musical family per se. Um, and uh, started learning guitar at an early age and has been have been mostly self-taught um, and just always had headphones in my head um, and soaking in all the music um, that I could and um, found out that I really couldn't remember how to play other people's songs or wasn't talented enough to play their songs. Um, and, uh, and, and I love the English language and writing. And so, um, I just decided that I was going to be a songwriter, um, and, uh, did it from an early age, um, as a hobby and, uh, kind of through middle age as well. Um, and, uh, about, 15 years ago or so, um, I had an opportunity to take it more seriously and learn how to perform um, by just going to open mics and um, learning the writing process and getting deeper into actual singer-songwriters. And uh, so I have been doing that uh, pretty consistently for that amount of time. Um, And then... uh, uh, Hillary and I met uh, uh, 10 years ago, got married 10 years ago, um, and um, we sort of started playing together at song circles um, and uh, and just getting together and, and me asking her advice on songs um, that I'm writing. Um, and, uh, and then just the last year, we um, decided to finally join forces and uh, write songs together. And, uh, and release a record. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about this new release. Um, if you were walking down the street and you ran into someone and they wanted to know about this new release and, and they wanted you to kind of give them your elevator pitch, what would you tell them about this release that would get them excited about it? Um. Well, I would tell them that, um, that that we wrote a bunch of the songs together, um, but it's also some of ours that we wrote separately, and 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 that um, that we have the best band playing it with us, um, and that we're very excited about um, the songwriting and the artwork, um, and 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 are really looking forward to everyone hearing it. Okay, now. Um Every good release starts with good songs. When you guys sit down and begin that process of writing, tell me a little bit about what what do you do to kind of tap into your your respective muses? Um, 
Sorry. <laughs> he was telling me something while you're asking me questions. That's okay. um, the, so, so that's an interesting question. Um, and I think it's different for each of us. And then also uh, finding our way to write together is pretty new. Um, so my individual process has always just been kind of scattershot. Um, and it's been great to work with Steve, uh, because it's more let's sit down and flush this out. And we always laugh uh, in our marriage and in our writing. Um, I am often the engine and he is the steering wheel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so before we met him, I would have these great bursts of power and then nothing for a long time because I just kind of ran in circles. And, um, and then as joining together we've really been able to kind of get on track. Um, and so it's pretty great. Like I'll come up with a little something or he'll come up with a little something. We send it to the other on like our iPhones, like a memo. And then we kind of play with it until we can be in the same room together again. And then it just starts to sort of, we start to pull the string and it starts to kind of unfold. Um, quite honestly, we were still writing verses. Uh, for rewind, rewind, repeat. Uh, the night before we went into the studio. Right, that's our. That was our uh, our single, uh, our first single that we released. Um, yeah. And uh, and so yeah, that was a bit frantic. Um, but really fun. But fun, but very yeah. cool. Yeah, we were changing things around, and then and then and then the song has evolved beyond that um, for our live performances. We've added some parts and some some intertwining. Uh, uh, vocals and things like that. So that was an interesting process to have it put down, but not quite finished. Uh, um, that was cool. And we use all sorts of techniques. We'll use uh, quick write techniques. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, it doesn't, it may be the music that comes first, the lyrics that come first. Hillary is a brilliant um, melody or maker. Um, and, uh, so I really rely on her to, uh, either come up with them or to, uh, tweak and adjust ones that I've, uh, come, uh, come about, um, to make them more interesting. That's kind of her superpower. Okay. Well, let's talk about melody a little bit. Um, you know, I find lyrics to be a very, um, I guess a craft more than a, uh, an art uh, in that the more you do it, of course, the better you get at it. And there's some very structural elements to it, such as you have to have a story and there's a continuity to that story. There's rhyme, there's meter, there's cadence. Uh, but melody's a little different. Uh, some songwriters like to work off of just the groove and allow that melody to freeform, while others look towards the lyric and the cadence dictate where the melody should go. What's kind of your go-to when you start looking for your melodic ideas? Honestly, I have kind of a trick because I'm not uh, super well-trained either. So one of the things that I will do is sometimes I will um, take a melody from something else and turn it around backwards. Or I will um, sort of sing talk over the chords that we've come up with, and then the melody will 
surface from that. But one of the reasons I'll take a melody from something else and make it backwards is just because I think if you're not, like, one of the hardest things to do is explore all the notes that are possible um, within the changes that, that you have. And so sometimes I will definitely start with that. Okay. Um, now let's talk about um, that moment where you need to kind of declare the song finished and, and move it to that next phase. What, what do you do to determine when a song is ready to give to the band, to give to the producers and allow them to kind of put their, you know, their stamp on it? What, what do you do to determine when that song is ready? It depends when your date is for the studio. <laughs> okay. There's a couple of there's a couple of things that happen. That is a true statement. Um, for me, I when I write songs, um, if it comes to me and almost full completion, I really don't consider it complete. It's only probably eighty five or ninety percent written until I sing it to Hillary. And, and um, in front of people, and and she and she sort of tells me what her ear wants. If there's anything that she feels like needs to be ch- uh, changed, I really trust her uh, in that. And then, as Hillary said, the next thing is is uh, sort of fleshing it out in front of the uh, audience. Um, and uh, I, I think that that's been an interesting process for us, and we're what we're looking forward to for the for the next record. Um, writing for the next record in uh, in advance, um, so that we can start to work them out in front of a live audience and see how they work that way. Okay. Now um, let's talk about your toolkit. Uh, songwriters today have really embraced some of the technology that's out there, whether it's their cell phone or a home recording studio to kind of lay out a structure and then write to that. What are some of the tools you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? My legal pad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty old school. I am. I'm pretty, yeah. And I, I, I have like, I literally have like a little stamp that makes, so I can write in guitar chords um, on my legal pad and then just, flip back and forth um but also my voice memos but i mean i'm pretty basic i'm also a bit of a luddite so and and i use the voice recorder on my phone uh, a lot from initial idea conception uh to building each you know verses and just so i can remember how they go uh, if i need to step away from it and then and then build it and so you'll in my phone i'll have you know, up to ten or twelve different versions as it as it uh, as it progresses, um, and then and then we are fortunate to have a, a, a nice home studio um, that we can go upstairs and uh, and record uh, together, and which is one of the things that we did um, for the pre production uh, of the record. So we kind of kind of use all the tools that I think are available to us. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about going into the studio. Um, having a good song is, is half the battle. Um, going into the studio is another art form in itself to create its sound, its identity, not only for the song, but of you as artists. 
when you get into that um, environment, what is your process that helps you capture the sound you're looking for? So we really um, prescribe to the idea that it should be the, a recording of an event. We really like to record as live as possible. And we were able to pull it off this time. Um, and it was so cool. We had two rehearsals um, and then went and put all the guys in a room basically together. The drummer and the guitar player were in a room together. And then, of course, the bass player was isolated. And we were in the control booth. And we all just played the songs together. And we really loved the freshness of that. Um, yeah, we both, we both had experience in... Uh, in the layering process, uh, in making a record individually. Um, and uh, that tends to get torturous and sucks so much, can suck so much life out of it. If you don't have a producer that, um, that can help with those sorts of things, um, that understands that process, it, it can suck the life out of it. And the best recordings that uh, we've ever done were... Um, lay down as many tracks as you can live um, and get the feel of the moment for the songs um, and then and then go and lay down uh, overdubs as needed after that. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about the lineup. Who's playing on it? Ooh, I love this part. Um, Matt Ketter is playing electric guitar and he's... Uh, a local guy who is not going to stay local very long. <laughs> and um, Aiden Bubeck is playing upright bass. Um, and he is also a local guy that I've been playing in bands with since I was 18 years old, but he's played with everybody, um, mostly uh, Miranda Lambert. And um, and then Trey, Trey Ware is our drummer, and he's been in another band with Steve, and he's a... He's incredible, and he also doesn't do this for a living. And uh, so we're so grateful that he was he was willing to do it with us. Um, and uh, yeah, that's our lineup. And Peter Waringa and engineered it, and and us. All right. Now um, let's talk about. Um getting it out there uh, once you get it recorded you of course got to get it through radio and press and 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 you know kind of create that buzz and you're working with adam dawson from broken jukebox media tell me about that relationship and how it began well we have a, a good friend of ours um named stephan prigmore who um uh, with a friend, Chase Glover, um, started uh, a music group called Old Sheepdog Music Group. Um, and he uh, used has used Adam uh, in the past. Um, and, uh, for his most recent. For, and, and for his most recent release as well. And so he recommended uh, that we reach, we reach out to him and, and work the process with him. Okay. Now, we finally met. Adam in person recently, which was wonderful. Right, that was nice <laughs> at, the, at the Folk Alliance International Music Conference this year. That was yeah. great. All right. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about the industry a little bit. Um, we all know that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. 
I don't care what anyone tells you that vinyl is not going to save our asses. Um, nobody's going out and buying vinyl and running home and throwing it on their turntable. You know, they're still listening to it on the way home on their streaming platform. Um, so, you know, and, and it, it, the, one of the biggest problems with that is that recorded music has lost its status as a product. It's no longer something to purchase anymore. It's now a service. How has this shift in, in perception affected you guys as artists? That's a very good question. Um, and and it's, so we're relatively, we're relative novices in this area. But I will say that, that when we are looking at revenue, that is not even in the equation at this point. And I wish it were. Um, but it's, it's live shows, house concerts, merchandise, you know, including like T-shirts, fans, uh, the lady who did the art, uh, we're probably going to sell those prints, um, things like that. And, and at this point, we, we, you know, if we could come up with a great solution, boy, would we. But at this point, we're just looking at other ways, too. Yeah, I was recently at, a, um, at, a, uh, at, that, at that Folk Alliance International Conference. There was somebody that was talking about uh, revenue and streaming revenue and and they kind of said, uh, framed it in, in two ways. Do you want, uh, do you want millions of hits and streams and try and get revenue by hitting those large amounts by using playlists and things like that? Um, or, and, and, or do you want to try and maximize, uh, your, your smaller audience? Um, who are who want to follow and support you and are willing to pay uh, money f- through things like merch and um, maybe Patreon um, things like that um, uh, and so and Bandcamp um, uh, and that so getting a smaller amount of people to pay more money for some of the diversity diverse things that that you have to offer. Or do you want the tiny amount of money from each individual millions of, of, of followers uh, or streams? I'll take the and, tiny uh, money and, from, yeah, from a million, you know, streamers. Um, you, know, that's, right. you know, that whole argument, I honestly believe, is bullshit. Um, excuse my expression. Um, the, you know, the idea that the uh, the guy who's in charge of Spotify, who created Spotify, has more money than any single artist that's on his platform. Yeah, is, is terrible as as a statistic. Um, right. When Billboard came out with an article that basically stated that of all the billions of dollars that are generated through the music industry, only twelve percent gets back to the artist. Mm-hmm. And you look at the music industry; it is glutted with three third-party people. Every time an artist, whether they're independent or major, puts out a song or a release, there is a line of people with their hands out. You know, whether it's you know CD Baby, TuneCore, you know aggregators, distributors, streaming services, whatever it may be. They're the ones that are in control of where this money's going. We need to take that 
out of the equation and leave more money on the table for the artist. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, there is technology coming up. There is streaming services that are evolving that are based on the same technology as, as cryptocurrency, which is the blockchain. And they're claiming, number one, they're going to, you know, the whole buzzword of decentralizing the music industry, taking out the record companies, the distributors, the aggregators, the, you know, all of these people that are, they're taking a piece of the pie and eliminating that and making it more a direct relationship between the artist and the fan. And mm-hmm. that's what these streaming services do, because no one company can own them. They're owned by the fans and the artists. They're in control of these services. And they're also claiming that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the artist. What do you think of that as a potential for the future? Um, I I hope that's a good solution. Um, uh, you know, I think when the internet um, came about, and uh, and you know, one of the dynamic shifts was that the record companies started to lose revenue, and I think there was a hope that it, that that money would then go to the individual artist because you don't have to go through a record company. And unfortunately, I think what happened was just somebody else came up and, <laughs> and snatched that that those profits away, that money away. Um, uh, I think the one difficulty with that theory is um, that you have to convince the people that are listening, your listen, your particular listening audience to download that app, uh, that particular app. Um, and if they have, 20 artists that they follow, even local artists that they follow, and those people are using eight different services, then it gets cumbersome for them to download eight different apps and go, okay, well, I listen to, uh, I listen to Tips and Obermiller on X app, but I listen to somebody else over on this app. So I think that's a hurdle. Um, I don't think it's necessarily um, over, you know, it can't be overcome, but... Um, well, I mean, even if you looked at the history of the digital revolution, you know, we start out with LimeWire and, and, and Napster, where everyone was sharing music, you know, all over the place. And everyone said, oh, this will never stop. You can't stop this. This is, you know, this is a behemoth. Well, along comes Apple and, and iTunes and the iPod, and everyone wants that iPod, and they get these 99 cent downloads and everyone buys into this platform then all of a sudden along comes spotify who has who has ipods anymore change is inevitable so we know that no matter what our future is this the current state of streaming has got to change the question is how proactive are are we as artists going to be in pushing that change in a direction that is advantageous to us? Mm-hmm. If you look at the record companies, they're actually, um, they see the writing on the wall. 
you look at you know the uh, the industry news and you notice that these record companies are buying up uh, legacy publishing catalogs. That's where they're investing their money. They're buying the Springsteen catalog. You know, right. they're buying the Beatle catalog. They're buying, you know, all of these legacy bands. They're they're picking up their songs and buying the publishing of these songs because they know that in the future when they start you know putting these songs out there to be streamed that that's going to be their income their income is not going to be you know uh breaking a new artist it's expensive to do it it's it's not economic because you don't know if you're going to win or lose you know or how long that artist will live as far sure. as you know in the in the public's eye so it it's it's a crapshoot you know so why go through that when you can just buy the catalog after they've been successful right. and capitalize on that so yeah it's a definitely think- a difficult question um i think as a as a uh, and uh, as an in- indie artist you know um working on our own it's 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 up to us to that's why that's why the performing part of it is so important engaging an audience creating an audience um um uh, getting to a point where you're doing well well ticketed shows um uh and then offering some things uh, um getting them if they don't want a physical um uh, cd or record um uh getting them to uh, do a pay at will over through your website and have a, have your individual store on your own website um, so that they can download the music um, uh, on their own. Um, although that's only a one-time purchase necessarily for those things, but trying to build an audience and getting people to your online store. Um, uh, the streaming thing is such a, a difficult question. I agree. Uh, it's got to it's got to change, and it's hard to get legislation involved um, uh, uh, with those uh, in in that particular manner. Um, but like you said, technology changes, yeah. um, and uh, well, uh, and the more we have the conversations, and the more we try and get people to agree, especially artists as a as a collective. Uh, um, those people that I, I hope that'll change for the better well there is also this other technology that's coming down the pike as well um there's a site called royal.io uh which allows artists to create these non-fungible tokens uh mm-hmm. that represent either a percentage of your streaming royalty a percentage of your your publishing whatever the case may be and you can then put them out on the open market and sell them, almost mm-hmm. like stock in a song. Uh, one rap artist did this. He took two of his songs off his latest release, and he made enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the royalties on these two songs, and he sold it to his fan base and was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. And not only that, uh, he got almost 3,000 fans who now have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed. In addition, these things can be bought and sold on the market. So, you know, they're like an investment. You buy it as its price increases, it comes down the line, 
<clears throat> you decide you're going to sell it. Well, NAS gets a percentage of that sale in perpetuity. In other words, forever, as these things are bought and sold on the market. So it's a constant flow of income from these NFTs. Um, what do you think of that as being part of this business model where you give your fans the opportunity instead of owning a piece of music that they have to store because nobody wants to store it anymore they don't want to put it on their phone and clog up their memory they don't want to put it on their shelf but now they can buy stock in a song they like and they can get paid for it as the song becomes popular you know, and then give the fans and the artists the ability to create this investment in each other. Yeah, I've, I've 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 briefly looked into that um, as an idea, and I think that that's a that's a great solution. I think that that's a good idea, and I think sync licensing as well with film and TV is mm -hmm. a is a great source of revenue as well. Oh yeah, that's definitely a great source of revenue. Now, yeah. uh, of course. You know, in order for you to kind of get this out there to your fan base, you've got to create a brand that people will invest in. And uh, a lot of artists are looking towards social media and content creation to give their fans that, um, how can I say, the behind-the-scenes reality show mentality look at your world, at their world as artists. Um, you know, whether it's puppies, babies, kittens, and chickens, or it's, you know, just, you know, the things you do on the side. I know uh, one artist, um, Mindy Abar, does uh, a cooking thing with her husband, and they have their own little line of wines, and they drink wine, and whatever the meal comes out, that's what it is. Um, you know, there are a whole variety. There's another couple that... You know, they like to do hikes in the mountains, so they put up pictures and videos of them in the mountains with these scenes, or there shows them writing a song or the beginnings of a song in this environment. So it gives their fan that 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 ability to invest in them, not as just artists, but as people itself. What do you think of that um kind of mentality in utilizing social media and content creation um yeah another interesting aspect of uh, of what we're doing right um uh, uh i i think it's a fine line to offer your offer yourself uh and all of your personal you know things that are going on um i think uh, hillary uh is sort of taken over that mantle of, of, uh, of learning the social media side of things, um, uh, and, and offering some personal things from our lives. Uh, carefully curated. Uh, carefully curated. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we have, we have a spot in our, in our house, um, that we've cleared, um, for, uh, for sort of when we rehearse, uh, putting a camera up and rehearsing some songs or rehearsing a new, a new song or something like that, so then we can. We also have a couple of super fans who uh, video all the shows. Right. So we've been pulling content from that as well, yeah. um, and it's a nice way to keep people engaged. It's a little creepy how my social media will be like, 
Like, we haven't played a show in a couple of weeks because we went to Folk Alliance. And so my social media today was like, your, your post-engagement is down. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing's been happening. I put up a video of me and my grandbaby doing a show. And we, we, we posted about Folk Alliance. Yeah. Doing, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a decent way to reach people, I think. I think. <laughs> we're 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 uh we're a little bit on the on the older side of 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 uh things generationally so uh we're 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 playing catch up a little bit on the on that and oh, uh, believe you me, know. i'm right up there with you i'm 68 yeah. almost turning 69 you know uh in may so yeah i'm i'm in that that world too you know where you know i'm uh you know i'm a I'm an old guy trying to learn new tricks. You know? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, but, you know, business is always still business, you know, and, and just finding, like, always there's one guy trying to, you know, there's, there's, one, there's one entity trying to take all of the money. You know, that feels like as old as, as time itself. And, and the little guy's going, actually, <laughs> you know. We deserve to be paid for our work too, you know. And I, I really, I really hear that that that's kind of what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. And uh, you guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud.
baby Gonna rock this shit Gonna scream my name Make you shout now honey Gonna make you Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey! 